The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Friday, March 12th, unbelievably, season two, episode eight, and they just keep getting better and better. This entire episode is going to be busting May myth. So fasten your seatbelts, get ready. We're not hacking. We are taking this very seriously. Today's episode, it's like this, dot, dot, dot. Stop NPS, stop KPIs with Nicholas Eisler. Nicholas, welcome. Let us hear you. Welcome to the hot seat on Fireside Chats about the fires. Neil, hey, it's good to be here. You've painted me into a corner. Now I have to be controversial for sure. And I will hack. Uh, I, I give no promise that I shan't hack. Uh, you're going to do sensational. I can't wait to get into this topic uh, or topics really together with you. As it is Friday, here's my intro to Paul. Sometimes I forget to make sure he says this and shares this with the audience. Paul, how are you feeling today? It's Friday. I am buzzing. What a wonderful way to end to end the weekend. That's uh, to end the week and go into the weekend, right? I cannot wait for this. Even though I'm struggling a little bit with a tooth extraction, that is just to have this podcast today just makes it all worthwhile. Here we go, guys. This is going to be awesome. Awesome. No pressure, Nicholas. No pressure. No, not at all, Paul. I'll put you right at ease. If you were wondering what could be worse than a tooth extraction, I'm here to help. <laughs> pulling teeth to get Z to shut up and <laughs> let the metaphors roll. Oh, bit of a technical challenge. I think we've lost uh, Neil. It's got some. It's okay. We can. Nicholas will add it. Just you and me. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah, so what do you think of Neil? Is it true what they say? Let me tell you what good? problems I have with Neil while we have this chance, Paul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, let's do a little talking about Florida, man. We can't hear you, Neil. Yeah, I know. Well, you're muted. There you go. Yeah. There we go. I had a tiny microphone malfunction. Hopefully everyone can hear me again now. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. So Florida man uh, runs audio. That's what I'm going to call it. Exactly. <laughs> Well, what we would what would we do without this guest here? So let's get into it. Nicholas Zeisler. Nicholas Zeisler, multifaceted. He's the principal of Zeisler Consulting. He is a fractional chief customer officer. We're going to ask him to tell us about that in just a second. He is also an assistant professor at the United States Air Force Academy of Mathematics and Statistics. Uh, Nicholas, did I miss something? You do so much. Uh, I don't want to uh, overlook something. Did I get it right? And if I didn't, please correct me. I hack at the par three. And he hacks at the par three. <laughs> His par three is really what a seven, eight. It's a. Oh yeah, that's just the title that the city gives the course. Me, it's it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, we're gonna let you hit a hole in one if we're gonna use golf speak here. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tee this one up for you. How about that one? Yeah, I got oh, that going for me. You're on a roll because this is right up your not alley, but your fairway. This is right up your area of expertise. Yes, um, sorry, audience, just just bear with us here. It's Friday. We're buzzing. Um, we're gonna talk about an oft used, usually misunderstood 
term in our industry in customer care, which is voice of customer. Now, going back to the title of this, you're telling us stop NPS, comma, stop KPIs. What in the world are you telling us here? You're, you're like throwing this monkey wrench in our whole customer care environment and community and, and the way we operate. What's this all about? Yeah, Neil, you caught me in the middle of a stream of consciousness. Uh, <clears throat> one, one of the things that, that I do is sit up on my ivory tower and think about how we can do things better in CX. Uh, and I, I just get the feeling, don't you, that we're trying to be too clever by a half. And if an alien came down from space and looked at how we ascertain the voice of the customer. Um, and this is an alien with an MBA, naturally, because this alien would think to himself to ask questions about business model and marketing and, and, and word of mouth and so forth. And he'd say, well, what is with this likelihood to recommend question, right? And of course, Fred Reichelt is there to greet the aliens. Uh, and and he's, he's there with the brilliant answer about the allegedly proven correlation between one point of NPS and X percent of revenue increase. And I think that's, first of all, that's certainly overpromising, Don't you, Neil? Uh, there's something in statistics that we call exogenous factors. And if we are promising the leaders of organizations that we serve as CX experts, that they are going to see an increase in revenue that correlates with an increase in NPS, I think we're really setting ourselves up for a problem there. Uh, take, for example, whoever might have owned the last remaining at the time Betamax repair facility in the United States. If he were to hear this conversation between Fred and the alien with the MBA, he might wonder, well, my NPS, if, if he had used it back in those days, or CSAT, is through the roof. And it's going even, it's going gangbusters. My customers love me. I wonder why my revenues aren't increasing, right? There are things that have nothing to do with your fantastic, awesome CX that are going to impact your company's revenues that have nothing to do with how great you are at doing this. And when we promise that this is what's going to result from investing, when we buy into the MBA approach that we have to justify our existence by way of finding this high correlation between the work that we do that's manifested in this NPS or CSAT or customer effort score or whatever, and somehow or another isn't impacted by market forces that we have no control over, you get one bite out of that apple selling CX to the leadership of your organization. And when you don't deliver on that, whether it's your fault or not, that's the end of the road for you. Nobody's going to say, well, let's give CX another shot, right? And, and I understand the, the tendency to want to justify our existence in you know, real-world monetary terms. But I'm kind of cooking, uh, tip my hand a little bit, cooking on this, on this theory that we need to readjust what the whole point of CX is from it's going to make you money to it's really going to align what we say we're all about, our mission, vision, our principles, our values, our corporate core and DNA. Align that with what our customers experience. And if we're using a measure like that to represent the voice of the customer, well, then there's an intrinsic value of CX that gets that cuts through all of the, all of the money, which we can't guarantee we're going to get anyway. 
And I know that we were talking about VOC and I kind of like, uh, you know, branched from there a little bit, but I think the VOC is an example of missing that boat. There's all sorts of other things that we're screwing up about VOC. Um, and, and I know that that's a topic we're going to talk about today. And, you know, I can go down that path too. <laughs> so let's get, let, let me start with something basic, just to level set here. Um, I have seen in my experience, we have clients that go deep into VOC or supposedly deep into VOC programs. Then we have other clients that don't do anything in VOC. They don't even know what VOC is. Or yeah. they say they're about to launch a VOC program, uh, but they're not there yet. Just to level set for the audience, how would you define just basic working definition, non-Websters, of VOC, voice of customer. What is it? Yeah. Well, Neil, what I'd say is that uh, we need to understand, I think, the purpose of what VOC is in order to answer that question and define it. And VOC should have the singular goal of identifying for us corporately what we are failing and how we're falling short of our brand promise to our customers. And that ties in with my definition of what CX is as well. So many people find VOC to be the answer to CX or the encapsulation of CX in the first place. And so they throw up the number of NPS or CSAT or customer effort score and consider that they're done for the day, right? My job is VOC. My job is to therefore report what this number is. And then you know, I like to, I like to uh, call up Goodhart's law on this. Once a metric becomes a goal, it ceases to be a good measure. And people are just chasing that number, chasing that number, chasing that number. And I'll go back to what I said earlier is that when that number becomes a substitute for revenues, for sales, for market share, we get so caught up in that that we miss the whole point to get back to your question of what VOC is for. VOC should be there to provide insights into where our customers believe we're falling short in delivering that brand promise. That isn't a score, that isn't a number. That's why I say stop doing your top level KPIs. What we should be looking for out of the VOC is a guide to where we can improve the things that we do as an organization, improve our processes, our policies, improve our procedures, improve how we relate to our customer and the things that we do internally on a daily basis so that we can manifest that brand promise in the lives of our customers every time they interact with our brand. And if, and, 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 and I'll tell you what, Neil, you can't get that out of a top line KPI. You can tell where you are relative to last month or last week or last quarter, but what you can't do is provide any sort of insights as to how you can improve that. And you can slice and dice and uh, uh, recategorize how you look at NPS. You can say, well, these types of customers are saying this and those types of customers are saying this. But if all you're looking at is whether or not they're going to recommend you to their friends, that doesn't give you any insight into what to do about it. You just stopped me in my tracks because my next, my next pre-prepared question I was going to ask you was going to be, what are the questions that we should be asking customers as part of a VOC program? But I'm going to short circuit uh, this because it seems like if I insisted on asking you that, you would look at me and you would say, "Didn't you just listen to what I said?" Well, I'm I'm crossing. I'm currently crossing the line through the pre-prepared answer I had for your <laughs> previous question. But I will say this: I've I've actually answered that question several times in different forms, and I love the question. Leave it full text. Uh, uh, no limit on characters, 
the question we should be asking our customers in our VOC is, what sucked about your last interaction with our brand? Or what was great about it? Is that also part of it, or is it really only just what sucked about if you, it? If you have only one question, I would say what sucks about it. Uh, what what's great about it can make you feel good. What's great about it can give you an opportunity to leverage, you know, what you're doing properly. I'm, you know, I'm I'm not a total curmudgeon. I mean, it is nice to hear nice things, but the whole purpose of CX should be about improving what you do, and you really need that negative feedback. You need to be jealous and and hungry for negative feedback, and you have to place you, you have to position your questions for your customer in your entire VOC program with the intention of receiving information and insights about what you can do better. So you as a statistician and as a instructor, professor of mathematics, mm -hmm. it's kind of surprising to me because so many of us want a number. We manage to the number, just as you described. We, we, we need a number. We need to show our management. We need to justify ourselves. It's part of our bonus. It's you know, I improved from 80 to 87 in the CSAT survey or something like that. Yeah. And as a mathematician, I, I would think that's where you would want us to go. But you're kind of, you're, you're saying, no, 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 go back the opposite way. This is not quantitative. This is qualitative. I, well, yeah, I am. I, I do recognize that I'm at risk of losing my card uh, <laughs> by saying this. But, but I would actually push back a little bit on that, Neil, because I don't think that it necessarily is strictly qualitative because with all the great AI and text analytics and so forth, you can quantify that feedback that you're getting from your customers because what you want to do is Pareto out how you're going to prioritize what you're going to do based on the things that you're seeing. And, and that's the other thing about, um, about the voice of the customer program that so many people get wrong is when they think that the VOC is the end. VOC is only the beginning. My good friend, Nate Brown likes to say that. That's one of his famous quotes is, the, one of the biggest mistakes people in CX make is that they think that the VOC is the end when it's actually the beginning. And that other shoe needs to drop and that other shoe that drops is process engineering. It's process improvement. It's it's design thinking, Lean Six Sigma, Agile, all these things, program and project management. Analysis. Right, absolutely. And what you're looking for out of those insights is a path towards improvement and you you unleash all your you know your black belts and your master black belts on fixing the things that you do based on the insights that you get by the way and i'll say this again you can't get those insights from your nps you only get those insights when you learn from what your customers are telling you what sucked about their last interaction not just that it sucked and that's the refocus that we have to have to drive in our community Say, yeah, okay, we're gonna, we'll give you, and, and you know, I, I realize that, that it's cheeky to say, stop doing it and, and, and don't look at it. You're always gonna have the dashboard. You're always gonna have somebody who says, I wanna know what the NPS is, as, you, as you're saying. We're, I wanna know that we went from 85 to 87 to 90. But you have to be able to act on what you're learning. And I can't act on that top level number. And that's what I tell my cadets at the academy. You can't act simply on this number. You need further amplification data in order to know where to go to look. So go, go into the description of the difference between score data and amplification data, because you've written about this. You've got videos on your website about it. I've seen it in social media and things like that. I, I'm not sure if this is accredited to you or, or, or to somebody else, but, um, Score data versus amplification data is a really interesting way to break this down and, and, and look at it differently. Yeah, I think it goes to the nub, really, of the, the whole conversation we're having here, Neil. Score data is going to give you a marker as to where you are. 
but it's the well, most of us, right? Most of us, most of us use score data. The eighty-seven on the CSAS survey, the 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 whatever on the NPS survey, the effort score says that, right? That, that's score data. Yeah, and if your job is to report stuff, you're done because you've got your score and you know what it is. But if your job, and this is really the more fulfilling job if you want to be a CX professional, is to move that score data, you need amplification data so that you know where to go to look to improve things. And that amplification data is going to be, uh, it, could, it could be, you know, radio buttons and the, and the strictly uh, quantitative, you know, to get back to that uh, information that you're saying, well, was the agent okay? Was the product okay? Was the service okay? And, and you, can, you can narrow it down a little bit so that you can focus your efforts on a certain department or division. But you also need that open text. Okay, here's what sucked about my agent interaction. Right. I couldn't understand it. it wasn't clear. The agent wasn't enabled or empowered, uh, whatever it might be. The more data you have, and of course, the further away that data is from that top line number, the more effective it's going to be in helping to guide you to where you can actually do something. It's a difference. The score versus amplification, is the difference is between active and passive. The score data is passive. It's completely down the road. It's already, you know, the, the horse is out of the barn. It's too late. That's what your number was. The amplification data at least can give you an insight into where you can go to, to make it better next time. This sounds to me, so Paul and I have talked about this. By the way, I'm super proud of Paul because he just had an article published today in the ICMI Insider about uh, scoreless QA, essentially. Those are That's my description of what he wrote about. And he and I have talked about this. One-on-one, uh, -on -one. we talked about it with some guests uh, recently. Scoreless QA, meaning we're 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 evaluating calls, interactions, text, written communications with customers, but we're not giving it a score. We're 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 evaluating qualitatively what happened with the same objective, I think, as you're describing, which is to get to the heart of the matter. What really happened here? Are we really yeah. impacting experience? And where I think you're going with this, if I were to rename it, or I might, maybe someone's already thought of this, this is scoreless voice of customer. Yeah, I think that's great. Paul, I'm going to steal your idea. I mean, all the great ideas are stolen from other people, right? <laughs> Go for it. It's yours. All right. Please take it. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Neil. For example, if you were to if, if you were to achieve 100 on your NPS and say that the last that that lasts quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter, I guess you're done. Well, no, you're not done because even in all of your promoters, there are opportunities to say this this was great. I give you a nine. I'd give you a ten if this. Well, why not do that, <laughs> right? But you'll miss it if all you're looking at again, Goodhart's law. If all you're looking at is is that top level number. What's the reaction among your clients or companies you look at or evaluate, maybe you happen to be a customer of or member subscriber of, when they hear this, when you tell them like, no, stop what you're doing, get rid of your KPIs. Like this is a very different fork in the road for us to hear yeah. this, like, stop with the number, don't work with the number. Yeah, and to hear that from an analyst, from a statistician, is even is even more discordant, and and it's hard to break through, quite frankly. And and what it comes down to, and and I alluded to this before, is a change in uh, approach to why you have CX in the first place. I mean, you know, Simon Sinek is going to say, start with your why, and the why for CX should not be in and of itself. I mean, there's there's a long trail between here and there, but it shouldn't be a direct line to increase sales, increase revenues, 
and, and greater market share. Share a wallet, call it whatever you want. That output money metric should not be the direct goal of doing it in the first place. And I find clients and I find partners that find an intrinsic value in customer experience as a discipline and as a method for uh, their business processes. When I find kindred minds like that, then we then we're off to the races, right? Because it's taking that starting with why approach to it and understanding the whole purpose of CX in the first place as being an alignment between your brand promise and what your customers experience. Well, that's existential in and of itself. There is an intrinsic value to that that can't really be measured. If I sit in front of of a C-suite. I sit in front of a of a of a board. And I say, do you believe that if your customers experienced your mission, your vision, your values, whatever it is that's etched into the marble in the lobby of your building, and if your customers really did find an alignment between what their experiences are and that message, do you think that that would increase your revenues? Do you think that you would you would take the market? Do you think that you'd have more sales if that were the case? Well, every business leader in the, in the world is gonna say, yeah, of course, that's why we have our mission statement. That's why we have these values and principles in the first place. I said, okay, well, you've just sold yourself on why when you approach CX from the right perspective, you should have it in your organization. Right. And, and that also opens the door for all sorts of really deep and philosophical questions about, you know, to go back to the Betamax repair shop. Well, you know what? We are living according to our principles and our values and our mission and vision. But I don't think the market is buying that. Let's go back and retool and think more about how we can deliver what customers actually want and align what we say we're all about with what the market will support in the first place. I mean, that's a different way of approaching. And you can't get there if you're convinced that NP one point of NPS means X percent revenue increase. So if you were to give the audience three takeaways, I mean, I think I'm certainly know the top one, but three takeaways to build or reconstruct a VOC program, what would they be? And again, First, if, if you look at me and tell me, Neil, you didn't just listen to the last 15 minutes, <laughs> that would be okay. Because I think I know what they are. I think I could paraphrase one or two of them, but I want to make I'm sure these come from your mouth, not from mine. Yeah. First, first of all, recognize the purpose of VOC is to inform you about what you can do. Second, recognize the whole purpose of CX that VOC helps support. And that is to align what you say you're all about with what your customers experience when they interact with your brand. And I think that those two <laughs> are really all it takes, right? Oh, well, no, I guess I'd say be hungry, be thirsty, be greedy for that feedback uh, and welcome and search out the negative feedback more than anything else. Even in your promoters, so to speak, look for that negative feedback because the whole purpose should be to give you opportunities to improve what you're doing. Paul, what do we do with this? This is this is this is a a, a mythbuster in and of itself. Uh, this entire session, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it's amazing. Just just the insights and the knowledge. But above but above that, above that, for me, Nicholas, what I love about you is your downright genuine enthusiasm and passion about this. Right. I would have the guess that I could put you in front of any seaboard or any v um, let's say v VP of CX, and you would be able to convince them how important it is to do that 
pivot, not to look at where we've got a 90% CSAT score or we're 10 MPS. What are we looking at? Because ultimately, that's what it's all about. I've, I've loved it. I, I think you've been fantastic. Well, Paul, I welcome you to put me in front of any of those people any day. <laughs> Shameless plug. If you know any that want somebody in front of them, I'd be, ha be happy to do that for you. You hear that, audience? You got to get Nicholas in front of your board, in front of your seat. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to transition now to the final third of the, of the podcast. We'd like to ask all of our guests three questions, three parting questions. First one, by the way, we just kind of like took a big, a big axe to many things, but a CX myth buster, I think separate from all the myths that you just busted, what would your CX myth buster be that you prepared to share with the audience today? Uh, first is that, um, and this is a little bit, we didn't really cover this too much here. So I think it's fair to, to, to share it now. Um, CX is not about wowing your customers. It's not about going over the top and delivering the most outrageous and outstanding experience every time. It is simply aligning your customer's experiences with your brand promise. Now, maybe your brand promise is blowing your customer's doors off and making it outstanding and, and fantastic and concierge service and ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen and so forth. So maybe that is fair. But if that's not your brand, then that's not what the purpose of CX is uh, in the first place. And then, you know, we talked about top level KPIs not being the answer, right? Amazing. This is this is serious stuff. This is thought provoking as it's all get out. Let's go to the second part of the final third. Quick, quick! I'm putting you on the spot. What is the second part of the final third? What percentage is that? I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> You're going to make me do math like yeah. in real time. Exactly. I, I won't do that to you. I was only, only kidding. But the yeah. second part of the final third is um, your CX quotes. I think you have two quotes that you'd like to share with the audience that are important for you. Yeah, I alluded to one of them earlier, and that's my good friend, Nate Brown. Uh, he's, he says, VOC is not the beginning of your CX program. Or I'm saying it's not the end of your CX program; it's the beginning. So I butchered Neil, or I butchered Nate's uh, Nate's quote. VOC is the beginning, not the end of your CX program. Uh, and and the other quote that I have actually comes from uh, from an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, there's there's this ridiculous episode, but then again, they all are, where Kramer's line phone line gets crossed with movie phone, if you remember, and he starts actually because he's Kramer, he starts taking calls. And, and, and giving out information about movie times and so forth. And he, he says, uh, he puts on his affected voice when George calls and he says, using your touchstone keypad, enter the first three letters of the movie you want to see. And of course, all he hears is beeps. <laughs> he doesn't know what the hell movie George is looking for. And he says, why don't you just tell me the movie you want to see? And uh, first of all, what's great is that's the, the world's first instance of the voice IVR. Uh, but also it's, uh, it's, I think it's a, a great uh, microcosm, if you will, of what it is that we should be doing in our VOC. Stop trying to overthink your customers. Stop trying to infer that, well, they'll tell you that a certain, you know, the nines and tens, NPS will say your promoters are more likely themselves to come back and, uh, and, and purchase from you. And that, that doesn't make any sense. If you want to know if your customers are actually going to come back, why don't you just ask them? Are you going to come back and buy from us again? Not, are you going to recommend us to somebody else? Love it. Who would have thought that we could make a tie in between IVRs and, and Cosmo Kramer and movie phone? What, that, I, I could do that all day long. We could do this entire episode only on Seinfeld. Right. You're coming back, you're doing that with us, by the way. All right. That's fine with me. 
All right, here's the final third of the final, final, let me see if I can get that out of my mouth. Final third of the final third. Who are your CX heroes of the week? Um, I would like to say, of course, there's, you know, there's, there are the big names, Annette and Shep and Dan and, and, and so forth. Uh, I've got some, some good friends, in fact, who I think deserve uh, some attention. Uh, these are great minds in CX. I collaborate with them and, and get some great ideas and, and you know, kind of like with Paul, steal their ideas uh, and, and, and call them my own. First, uh, I like to say uh, Nick Glimsdahl, who has uh, a great podcast as well. Press one for Nick. If you're not uh, following him, uh, you should do that. Listen to every episode of that right after every Fireside Chats episode, obviously. Um, we, Jeremy we Love. Love yeah, guest on here, love them. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Watkin uh, is uh, is the author of the uh, CX Question of the Day over on Twitter. Um, he is a great thought leader, especially in the customer support world as well. Uh, he's run several uh, CS organizations, and he's he's a brilliant mind with with all sorts of great creativity. Um, Michael Bartlett is the author of the CCXP exam simulator. Uh, if you are looking for certification through the CXPA, he will give you the best uh, route to, to a green light on, on passing that test. What's great also is every penny he's ever made from that, and he sold I don't know how many, uh, every penny goes to a dog rescue type charity, which is awesome. As a dog person, my partner and I just uh, rescued a dog uh, just a couple months ago. I think that's a great, uh, you know, it's a great tool and it's a great cause that, that, that he uh, donates all of that to. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to add another uh, really good friend of mine by the name, Rick Denton. He's up and coming when it comes to brilliant thought leadership in the CX field. Uh, he's got a lot of great experience and he is always eager to share the experience he's had both internally and with his uh, consulting clients as well. Rick Denton definitely would recommend checking out the great writing that he's doing and the other thought leadership as well. Super. These are, these are sensational. Uh, great set of thought leaders, great set of thoughts all together throughout the, the podcast. You've made us think, Paul, like, you know, going back to this thing is uh, it's hard to sum up because I, yeah. I think Nicholas summed up himself. Change the way we operate, change the way we do business, change the way we see the world, and be direct about it. Be intentional. Get to the root cause. Find out what the heck sucks about the experience. Yeah, Ask it almost, it, it, it almost as, uh, you know, I'm sorry to use it crassly is that as some people would say it's crass but ask it because it's direct and you're going to get yeah. a response out of that yeah. yep. I, I thought it was great i thought your, your knowledge nicholas as i was saying um i'm just excited where this will go in terms of if the right people get hold of it this will be a game changer and in the right way right it's a disrupt being being for the right purposes um wonderful i could listen to you all day and i'm not just saying that because you're a, a guest on the podcast it, it, I could, it's amazing I'm a, I'm a little bit gobsmacked and a little bit taken away, to be honest. I'm not sure, even maybe a little bit starstruck, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Wow, wow, I've never had it described that way, Paul. <laughs> but I will say, as, as far as getting it in front of the people uh, that, that need to see it, I do have a book coming out later this year, and uh, uh, I will be happy, and I would be uh, I, I would be flattered to come back and, uh, and hawk that right here on <laughs> Fireside Chats. Uh, when when that's ready to come out, and it'll have uh, more about the philosophy and and how to actually with how to actually implement it, 
hire yourself a chief customer officer, or if I could be so bold, a fractional chief customer officer, hire somebody, <laughs> build out what it's actually going to take. Because that's another thing about CX. It's not about putting up banners that say you love your customers. It's not about also all sorts of touchy feely things, redraw your org chart with a customer on top and all of that stuff. That's important. The cultural aspect is important, but there are no kidding things you can do. And Neil, to your point, if you're asking with the intention to improve the things that you do, it's, it's an amazing perspective. And, uh, and, and we'll talk more about that. Super. You're absolutely invited. We would love to have you back. We want you to shamelessly plug your book when you're ready to do so. Um, what leaves uh, my parting thought here, it's great to see the CX field exploding. In my view, over the last, call it maybe two years, maybe three, it's literally exploded in volume. Number of people, number of companies that have dedicated areas, leaders, C-level around CX. However, what can often happen with that is it becomes commoditized, it becomes watered down. But what I see in the, out of this session, they, what makes me so pleased is that there are people that are, I, I, this is a funny expression, that are challenging the dominant paradigm of how we operate. So it, you're right, it's no longer just beating the drum of employee experience, employee experience, and making the customer important. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows we should be asking customers something, and we're all kind of stuck in the rut of the you know 35 question survey at the end of the thing of, well, did you like it? Was Did we resolve your call? Was this the first time you called? Calculate for FCR, then we ask the effort score, then we ask the NPS question, and then we ask the whatever question. We've got to start to change the way we operate because not only does that become stale, it's not effective. And so I like the way you are making us rethink these things. And there are an emerging set of CX thought leaders. I, certainly you're there. Nate Brown constantly challenges us. Jess Noble, I'm a huge fan of Jess Noble. Oh, she's, definitely, yeah. She, she's, um, she's done a really nice job of making us rethink how we tie CX back into business results, which I think is a big limitation in our field. Many of our practitioners don't know enough about simple business and, and, and finance and and what makes our companies profitable. Uh, so making sure that CX is tied into, into business results. Anyway, I'm going to step off my soapbox, but I'm going to leave this parting thought. You were an amazing guest. Thank you. We would love to have you back. Uh, so the audience can follow you, know how to find you when the audience pay attention, when they hire you, hopefully as the fractional chief customer officer, how do they find you? I am on LinkedIn. Uh, it's under Zeisler Consulting, and that last name is spelled Z as in Z, right, Paul? Z-E-I-S-L-E-R. Uh, and uh, also at ZeislerConsulting.com, where my uh, blog is and, and the videos to which Neil so graciously referred earlier. It's all out there. Perfect. Paul, let's wrap this baby up. Party thoughts for you? Absolutely amazing. And at last, an American who understands how you present, how you say the letter Z. Thank you so, so much. Finally. <laughs> my, my buddies in the Royal Air Force taught me that. So There you go. Perfect. Wonderful. So it's just been brilliant. I, I, I really don't have any more words to say. It's been a wonderful experience. And I think above and beyond you knowing your stuff, Nicholas, you're a wonderful human being. And that, that comes across in Shadlow. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's uh, flattering and, and, and was, a, was a tremendous uh, pleasure to be with you guys and definitely looking forward to talking to you again soon. Super. Audience, final thought. If you like this content, if you like our show, please rate us, please review us. These things help us. If I could ask you on Apple Podcasts, 
what about this podcast sucked? I would, because I just learned it. I can't do that because I'm constrained by what Apple allows us to do or not do, but we can ask you to rate, that, express that through the rating. That might be better for me that, you do, that you're not able to ask that explicitly what sucked. <laughs> but we do say that for, for all, at the end of all of our shows. We ask the audience to rate us, review us, let us know uh, what you think in, on that, that vehicle, and then you know how to find us, whether it's on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or our new website. Definitely please share feedback with us. We'd like to know more. We want to make this content as um, appealing, attractive, and consumable as possible. This is Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Season 2, Episode 8, concluding Friday, March 12th. We will see you next week as we continue to have sensational guests challenging the dominant CX paradigm. Thank you, audience. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.